Well, have you ever been the recipient of a practical joke? Uh, when I was a student missionary, it so happened that on my birthday, which was a, a normal school day, I taught high school, and we'd gather together for f- staff worship first thing, and then from there we'd go straight up to our classrooms, and the students would all be gathered in the hallways waiting for us, and we would unlock the door, and all of our students would file in, and we'd start the day. Well, on this particular day that happened to be my birthday, well, let me back up. The days leading up to that, I noticed some whispering going on. Whispering that would conclude upon my arrival. Various things being spoken of and people just saying, you'll find out soon enough. Does that ever make you feel uneasy? Yeah. So I was starting to feel uneasy and people would be laughing and just carrying out, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. And so I had my radar up. I had, you know, I was looking, what could this be that they're going to try and do to me? And I was thinking it's probably going to be my birthday. Well, one of my practices that I like to do before, you know, as the sun was coming up, part of my morning routine was to go exercise. And there was, in one of the classrooms, there was a few weights that was there. And so I'd make my way through there, among other things that I would do. And it dawned on me on that morning when everybody else was still asleep and I was by myself, I thought, I wonder if they've done something to my classroom because we all had a home room. And so I said, I better check this out and just see to make sure. And this was uh, at the end of my exercise routine. I was just about to go, go change. So I think it was like 7 o'clock, and staff worship was maybe a quarter to, to 8 or something. I don't know. And so I, I peek in the door, and sure enough, there's all kinds of flour littered all over my room. And they, they've turned things up. They turned my bench upside down, all these other things upside down, and turned the chairs all facing backwards. You know, just enough to where when you walk in, all the students go, oh, Mr. Wright, what happened? Ah, 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 ah. And they were all going to laugh, and it was going to be great. Except it was still 7 o'clock in the morning. So I said, I think I still have time. So I dusted off all this flour that was everywhere onto the floor. We had a dustpan, a little broom. And so I quickly, feverishly, I'm trying to get all of this contained. And then I turn all the desks back around and everything looks like it ought to be. And now I have this flour. And then I start to think bad thoughts. (laughs) I thought, huh. I know pretty well the two that have been laughing the hardest leading up to today, and their homerooms, one's there and one's there. And so I went into, actually it was just one of them, I think. I didn't do it to two. I didn't have time to do it to two. I just did it to one. And so the one I thought was the culprit, I went into his homeroom, and I turned all of his desks, not just upside down, but, or not backwards, but upside down. And so all these desks, you know, it's where the chair and the desk are attached, they're all upside down. And I had to do it quietly because it's concrete everything, and it's early in the morning, so I'm quietly trying to put all these upside down. And then instead of putting the flower all over every place, every room had a ceiling fan that was really pretty pathetic, you know, the droopy. What? (laughs) All right. So I took the the flower, and I got up on something, and I put on the ceiling fan, and it was wired into the lights. And so as soon as you came on and flipped the lights, it just started to snow. So then, I'm, you know, it's, it's taking me at least 15 minutes to do this. I rush back. I try to get showered and everything that I need for class. And I quick run to the, the faculty worship. And I, as soon as I walk in the door, you know, everybody's laughing and carrying on. And I say, what? You'll find out soon enough. 
said, okay, we'll see who finds out soon enough. And the worship went on, the worship concluded, everybody stood up, they just kind of, they wanted me to leave first. So I didn't really play into their hands, I just kept, you know, doing little things and piddling around and making sure, and just kept looking at them like, aren't y'all going to get to class? Yeah, yeah, we're going to get to class, okay, yeah, yeah. So I finally get my stuff. And I'm one of the last ones. And so we go upstairs to where there's four classrooms upstairs. And we walk up the steps. You know, all these students, come on, come on. We're going to be late, Mr. Wright. Open the doors. We need to get in. And I just kind of pause as my friend opens his classroom door. And, and he's just kind of waiting, too, wanting me to go into the room first before he goes in because he doesn't want to miss it. And he wants to be there to go, ha, 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 ha. And so I get up to where my room is, and I just kind of pause. And I look over at him, and I'm like, what? He's like, nothing. And I say, well, aren't you going to go into class? Yeah. Okay. So he turns his key, and he opens the door, dust upside down, flower going, oh, Mr. Smith, what happened? How come you're in somebody's house? This room's a mess. How are we going to have class? And I said, whoa, that looks kind of rough. And I open up my classroom. Come on, kids, there's nothing to see over there. Come, let's have class. And he peeks his head into my room, and nothing's in there. And I say, what? He says, somebody sabotaged my room. I said, I'm sorry. And I closed the door, and I started my class. (laughs) (laughs) Suffice it to say, they weren't happy with me, and the whole day turned into this tit for tat. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Yeah. Tit for tat, an English saying meaning equivalent retaliation. Meaning somebody did something to me, and so I'm going to do something back. I want to look at a piece of scripture, and we're going to do this quickly here. But turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. And there's something in there that, if we're not careful, looks a a little bit like this idea. If you do this, I'll do this. But if you don't do this, I won't do this. And it's perhaps kind of a big deal. So turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to begin in verse 9. When Jesus says how to pray, he says, In this manner, therefore, pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This idea that we cannot approach the Father. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We could say that's Jesus coming to this earth and his mission on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, really speaking of Jesus, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's the justification. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, sanctification. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We've said it a hundred times. But what about this middle part of the verse here? And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It kind of implies this idea that if you don't forgive other people, I won't forgive you which sounds a little bit scary. Forgive us our sins in the same way that we forgive others would be another way to say it. But if you kind of turn it around, if we don't forgive others, will he forgive me? Treat us in the same way we treat others is kind of another way that we could interpret that. And we could say, well, 
maybe we need to look at the context a little bit. So let's keep going to verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's starting to sound pretty serious, isn't it? We could continue on to Matthew chapter 7, cross the page in my Bible, first two verses, it says, Judge not that you be not judged. For what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Kind of this same idea. In the same way you judge, you will be judged. The forgiveness you give is the forgiveness you get. Does that make anybody feel a little bit uncomfortable? How good are you at offering forgiveness? And do you only offer forgiveness when it's been asked for? Let's look at another passage. This is a parable, Matthew chapter 28. Beginning verse 21, it says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Now, Judaism taught that if you forgave, it was only three times, but if it happened the fourth time, you didn't have to forgive. And so here, Peter is thinking he's being really over the top. How many times? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I say not to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Essentially, keep forgiving. And then he tells this parable, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. This is such a huge amount. He cannot possibly repay. And it says, verse 25, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. If you really study how much money that is, it's not really possible. But even still, he says, master, if you'll give me time. Verse 27, then the master of the servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. That'd be a nice story if it ended there. But that same servant went out and found him, his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. I mean, this is like pennies in comparison. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, same words, by the way, in the Greek, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Now, first of all, this guy's been forgiven. There is no debt to pay, but he still feels he needs to pay it. That's our pride. That's our legalistic tendency. God has forgiven me, but I'm still going to earn it because I feel better that way. I don't want to be beholden. And so he goes and chokes this guy. This guy gives the same speech, but he would not, says in verse 30, but went and threw him in prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw that he, what had been done, they were grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. 
Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry, it says, and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my father, heavenly father, also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Again, this idea, the forgiveness you give is the forgiveness you get. Now, is Jesus talking about some big scorecard? I mean, is the idea, well, they sent us a Christmas card, so we better send them a Christmas card. They invited us to dinner, so now it's our turn to invite them to dinner. Should we get them a birthday gift? Well, they got us a birthday gift, so we need to get them something. Well, how much do you think they spent? Okay, then we'll spend that. Actually, we'll get it on sale. Make sure you take off the price tag. The neighbor that helped you clean up the tree, and now it fell, something fell in his yard. Okay, it's my turn. Or I'm not going to send hospital flowers because they never sent them when I was in the hospital. Is that what we're talking about? Is this a scorecard that God is keeping? Is it possible that my balance could be in the red in the forgiveness department? And so when I come to him, he says, no, I'm sorry. I won't be going to John's funeral. He won't be coming to mine. This tit for tat. I'm only going to if I get something back in return. If it's reciprocated. Is that what we're talking about? Somebody says, bitterness is like a boomerang. It feels good to throw it. Until it comes back. The story is told of a couple who was in a fight. They were angry. They weren't talking. In fact, they were so stubborn to each of them that a whole week had gone by. Not one word spoken between the two. And the next morning... Early in the morning, he had to catch a flight for a business trip, and he was terrible at getting up early. But he didn't want to be the first one to speak. So he got out a pad of paper, and he wrote a little note to his wife. He says, please wake me up at 5 a.m. He went to bed. He got up the next morning at 7.30, missed his flight, irate. How come you didn't wake me up? And she just pointed to a note on his dresser that said, It's 5 a.m., wake up. (laughs) Is that what we're talking about here? This tit for tat. Forgive us our debts as we... I mean, you can even look in the Greek, as, the word as we. It's this comparative thing. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I think that Jesus is talking about how my forgiveness of others is a measure as to if I have received God's forgiveness. That's what I think this is talking about. If you have freely received something that I mean, let's face it. Every single one of us in this room is far more guilty than anybody we're holding a grudge against. Is it true? Myself included? 
And so Jesus, he, he overlooks, well he doesn't just overlook, he dies in my place and your place so we may be able to live for eternity and pays this debt that you couldn't pay and I couldn't pay no matter how hard we work, no matter how long we work, and yet we go around choking each other because they owe us something. They did me wrong. Which really is a red flag, isn't it? That I haven't truly received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. I appreciate the pardon, but now I'm going to go try and work for it so I can prove myself justified. But if I receive it, if I humble myself, if I realize to the depths that I have stooped, yet Jesus paid it all, then who am I? Who are you to say, I won't forgive? They're unworthy of forgiveness. And in the parable, the master gets angry with that attitude. And you can see why. My forgiveness of others is a measure as to if I received God's forgiveness. Another way you could say it, my forgiveness of others is a thermometer of how much I have received God's grace. If I realize how gracious God has been with me, it will be reflected in how gracious I am towards you. That's just the principle of life. And if I'm harsh with you, somehow I think that the picture of God towards me is harsh. Our human nature is only to forgive when asked. Yet look at what Christ does. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Has anybody here been hung naked on a cross and spit in your face and said all kinds of evil things? And Now, I'm not trying to take your pain and say it's not valid. You very well have valid pain. What I am saying is that if Christ could do this to forgive me, then I need to go to Christ and say, I need what you have. I need you to impart through a miracle of Jesus Christ that same love and compassion that you had towards me. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Paul says and reminds us in Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So it's simple. Ephesians 4, 30 and 32, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you all were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Freely you have received. Now freely give or forgive. That's my plea to all of us this morning. Now we're going to split up here in just a moment for the ordinance of humility is oftentimes what we call it. I don't have this on the screen, but in John chapter 13, sometimes people, you know, if if you're visiting us for the first time, you say, you know, I partake, or, you know, I've taken in communion before, but I've never done this foot washing thing. That seems awfully strange. 
Well, in in John chapter 13, verse 14 and onward, we see three times, not just once, but three times, he asks us to do this thing called the foot washing. And you remember this story. I'll pick it up in verse 14. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. There's the first time. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. That's the second time. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. So if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. That's the third time. And so this is an opportunity for us to humble ourselves and remember what Jesus did for us. If Jesus was willing, as the God of the universe, to stoop down and clean feet... Maybe we need to go through that humbling experience as well. And maybe there's somebody here that we need to go through that experience with. And that can be tough, and that can be challenging. But if God's laid that on your heart, this would be a great opportunity to say, I'm sorry. Those two words that end all arguments, I'm sorry. When I did this, I was wrong. And to let that relationship heal. The alternative is to hold it in, to hang on to my rights and what I'm entitled to. But if I do that, no healing will come. But if I forgive, if I let go, because Jesus has forgiven me, then the healing can come. And that's a beautiful thing. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come to you broken, just as we are, and you promise to forgive us because we've asked. You've promised to empower us because you're able. And I pray that we can live for you anew today by the blood of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.